Very good. We're up to verses 18 through 29, so somebody could read those verses for us. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? <clears throat> Jacob says to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game that your, your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who failed him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be lords over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. All right. So here the deception is accomplished. So Jacob comes in to Isaac, and he says, My father. And Isaac says, Here I am, my son. Who are you? And what is Isaac, or Jacob's response? Said he was Esau. I am Esau, your firstborn. I have obeyed you. And uh, so sit up, eat my game that you may bless me. So at this point, this isn't just kind of showing up and letting Isaac think what he wants to think. This is Jacob absolutely dece deceiving Isaac with lies, right? He tells him untruths. I am Esau. And Isaac has uh, got some questions here, doesn't he? What's his first question? How could you do that so quick? I just sent you out a little bit ago. And then how does Jacob explain that away? Now, if Jacob was a strong God-fearer, what would he be thinking right now? Lightning. Hope lightning don't get me. Because he just drugged the Lord into his lie. He gives God credit for being able to be there that quickly when in reality, the credit belongs to this planned deception on the part of his mother that he is helping to execute. Yeah, but that's not really <clears throat> uncommon because, uh, don't get me wrong, there may be some significance to that, and I don't want to pass it clear off, 
but so often the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, so many times, even, even Abraham's servant, when he's off getting Rebekah as a wife for Isaac, is referring to the God of Abraham. So there is some significance about that focal point of, of Abraham's position that is transferred to Isaac. But I, I'm not saying there's not some significance there. Uh, but nonetheless, um, and as a matter of fact, when we get into chapter 28, we're going to begin to see uh, Jacob's recognition of who God really is. But we're not going to get there today. So he said the Lord caused it to happen. So then what does Isaac ask Jacob to do? Yeah, get close enough to me. I want to feel you so that I can know whether you're really Esau or not. So has, has Isaac bought it yet? No. He's clearly got some doubt. So Jacob comes close. And he gets a chance to feel, Isaac gets to feel Jacob. How does Isaac evaluate that? What does he say? Let me see your hand. Let me touch your hand. Touch your hand. Yeah, you got the voice of Jacob, but you feel like Esau. How comfortable do you suppose Jacob is right now? I told mom this wasn't going to work. I told her. Well, anyway, he hangs right in there. Um, and in verse 23, it says he did not recognize him, meaning he thought he was Esau, so he blessed him. But really, I think, I think that is a summary statement that is not really in the order of events because the blessing really hasn't occurred yet. And he even as a question, what's the question does Isaac now ask Jacob? Are you really my son? Are, are you really Esau? So Jacob has to reach down deep in his bucket of lies and do it again. Oh, yes, I am. Well, then Jacob's, or Isaac says, bring the food. I'll eat the game so that I may bless you. So he ate and he drank the wine. Now, we might wonder if he's still convinced because what does he ask Jacob to do next? Oh, come close and kiss me, my son. He and he smelled the garments. And he said, yeah, it smells like Esau. And so his doubt about the voice is set aside and he offers the blessing to Jacob. And we see that blessing in verses, the last part of 27 and 29. I just want to turn to it and look at that. Uh, and it starts out in the last part of 29 is his confirmation. See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Oh my, you smell like a field blessed by God. I would think those words would just make Jacob coil, recoil inside, but I don't know what happened. Here's the blessing. Now may God give you. So it's not so much what Isaac is giving him, but Isaac is turning to God and said, God, give him the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine, which is what Isaac had been living through. He'd been made wealthier and wealthier and wealthier as God increased him. Verse 29, may people serve you. Nations bow down to you. May you be master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons 
bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. When you look at that blessing, it's clearly in line with the blessing and the direction given for Abraham. Those that bless you will be blessed. Those that curse you will be cursed. Your descendants are going to rule over this land. There will be many of them, and uh, you, you will ultimately bless the whole world, he said to Abraham. That hasn't completely come out here, but it's very much along those same lines. And so this is what Isaac says to Jacob will be his blessing. And so the promise of God passed down through Abraham to Isaac is now moving over to Jacob. And this is where I was going to go back and look at Genesis 25, 22 through 23. And we read that just a little bit ago where God said, the older will serve the younger. Two nations in you. So that's what God said would happen. Does that justify the actions of Rebecca and Jacob? Does that make it okay? I think they're following in the footsteps of the previous generations and trying to make it come out the way God said it was going to come out. Well, I would say they've got mixed motives. And, and, and come out the way God said it would come out, but I would also say this is Rebecca's favorite. That was Esau's Isaac's favorite. Favorites are always a problem in a family. But she, not only did God tell this to her, but she wants it. And, and it's interesting what she doesn't do. She could have grabbed Jacob and said, Jacob, we got to pray. We don't know how God's going to work this out. But this is in motion in a different direction than what God told me. Faith would have said, I don't have to do anything. I certainly don't have to do anything deceptive. She could have gone into Isaac if Isaac knew about the promise and says, have you forgotten the promise? Have you forgotten God's direction here? Was God dependent upon them to make it happen? And we all would quickly say no. But this is what they did. And as we read the scriptures, um, there isn't a lot said, isn't anything said that I know of, about the condemnation. Now, we do see some results coming here in a little bit where it's clear that it creates some problems. And there are some consequences from what they've done. But um, I, I, think, and I don't think the message here for us is that we ought to go on about doing things through deception and worldly ways to get what we know God wants done, done. And I don't think this passage teaches that. Matter of fact, to some extent, I think it even teaches us the opposite of that um, when we see the consequences coming up. But nonetheless, it reminds me of a period, and that period is in the life of Christ. If you asked men alive on the day of the crucifixion who put Jesus on the cross, what answer would you get? Jews, Romans, Pilate. I mean, you could go down and you, you could 
Were these men intentionally bringing evil in the direction of Jesus himself? You bet. The Jewish leadership had been plotting his death for some time. And in their plotting, they brought up false witnesses. They paid people in our vernacular to perjure themselves. The only problem was they didn't do a very good job of it because they didn't get their stories lined up. And so you didn't have consistent witnesses that they could even use in a false way to condemn Jesus to death, and they were stuck. So they found other ways to get him condemned to death. Illegal trials, illegal actions, I mean the whole bit. And yet if we look at the scriptures, who put Jesus on the cross? God himself. Freely gave his own son. So were God's purposes met? Yes. As a matter of fact, you could take it a long ways to say God's purposes were met in that these people then had a great guilt upon themselves. They understood the guilt of sin, those that would be, God would choose to let them understand what they had done. They had great remorse. Look at what happened in Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. They were cut to the quick. Everybody? No, but many. And God made it clear what was going on. And God used the evil intentions of many men to accomplish his purposes. Now, this is a much smaller picture, but I think that's exactly what we see here. God used, he could have prophesied, and it'll be by your deceptive hands that Jacob is going to be the ruler of over his older brother. But nonetheless, the deception has occurred. So let's take a look at what happens in the uh, results of that. But first, I'm going to, any questions or comments so far? <laughs> this is the stumbling over the cornerstone of Jesus. People have a hard time Going to the cross, you know, unbelievers, going to the cross and admitting who put him on that cross? Your sins. Mm -hmm. they, they stumble over the cornerstone. Mm -hmm. We put him on my sins. Well, in, in a sense, I mean, God put him up there to cover your sins. If you had no sins, there would have been no need for Christ to be on the cross. Sure, and that's where the veil is there. People need the rebirth to even understand what's going on. You, you had something, Royce. Well, along with Rebecca doing her part, I wonder if Jacob can't be didn't he overstep uh, in what God had already said about the younger serving the older and just like a parallel to Abraham who also lied about Sarah and then Isaac <laughs> lied. You know, God's sovereign plan over it all. So, I mean, yeah, they're all players. I just yeah. wondered about Jacob's overstepping a little bit. Well, 
So we get a, we're going to get a picture of Jacob in the results here in a minute that would even add a little bit to what you're saying about how Jacob's personality wasn't exactly um, the most upright of individuals. There's another issue. Um, Jacob bought Esau's birthright. And we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Jacob, well, Jacob yeah, bought it, if you will, with a cup of soup, bowl of soup, whatever. Maybe it was a giant bowl of soup. I don't know. Maybe it was a Jethro Bodine-sized bowl. I don't know, <laughs> but it was still a bowl of soup. I think it was just ministering. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, and, and so let, let's, you're right, and don't let me ignore that before we're done. If I brush on by it, bring me back to it, okay? So let's read. 30 through 45, and see the results of this. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I'm your, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceeding great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is, it not, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a, a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you and all his brothers. I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of the heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow rest restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise. Flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you here, bring you from there. 
Why should I be bereft of both you, of both of you, in one day? Okay, and then we're going to say 46 and on to put with 28 that has to do with Jacob's actual departure. And so here we go in verse 30. I mean, if this was written for the stage, you couldn't put it any better, could you? Just as Jacob exits, here comes Esau. He's gone to the field. He's hunted the, the game. He's prepared the meal, brings it to his father. And of course, upon his arrival, blind Isaac says, oh, who are you? And of course, Esau says, I'm Esau. And so let my father arise and eat this son's game that you may bless me. And, and so Isaac trembled violently when he found out it was Esau. How do you interpret that? What do you think that means? He was angry. He was not happy about being deceived. He was furious. Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came and blessed him. Now, you might think, well, if it was a false blessing, then we can undo it. No, right away he says, yes, and he shall be blessed. In other words, this was done saying, may God do this. This is done. And Isaac is not seeing that he could or should back up from that, that he even has the power to back up from that necessarily. And so this is the situation we find. And Esau heard these words and he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too. Me too, there's got to be something for me, O father. And he said, which is Isaac, your brother came. He deceived us, deceived me, and has taken away your blessing. It's gone. And he said, and, I, and then Esau again says, well, have you reserved no blessing for me? Isaac replied to Esau, I have made him your master. And all his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with the grain and new wine, I have sustained him. In other words, he's given this by asking God to do it. It's done. It's not going to be undone. And so Esau again says, do you have only one blessing? Bless me also. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of the heaven from above. You shall live by your sword, and your brother you will serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break the yoke from your neck. Was that a blessing? What did he say would be Esau's fate? I don't like the word fate. Esau's future. He's going to be pushed out of Israel into another area. You're not going to be in the, in the highly fertile ground. You're not going to be where the rain, the dew, the water is there to keep it fertile. You're going to live by your sword. Almost sounds a little bit like what happened to Ishmael going to be kind of at odds with people. And so he's telling Esau, nothing good here, except that the day will come when you are restless, when you're moving around, when you're in turmoil, that you will break his yoke from your neck. So a day's coming when 
this servitude will come to an end. Rick, I've got a question. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned about the, the, the thing with Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was given that information from God. In this case, it's coming from Isaac. Isaac. Now, is Isaac a prophet? Is, is there a supernatural component to this blessing? Oh, I, I, think, I think there is. Um, I mean, clearly... Abraham knew the mind of God and said things. And Isaac, as we look at his response when he moved down to Gerar and the way he interacted and he followed the way God told him to do things, he clearly was on the inside track of what, what it meant to follow God and how things were going to work. And um, so I think it's pretty clear that he understands the promise versus not the promise. <coughs> And I think, you now this is just my, my trying to look through this verse. I wouldn't try to die on this hill because it's not clearly said here. But I think he realizes he's given Jacob the promise. And there's one person of the promise in this case. Um, now, Jacob's children will be more. And the promise won't be just one, although Joseph is an interesting character. Um, and there is a there is a somewhat of a similarity there, but um, I think Jacob recognized or Isaac recognized that this promise has now been given to Jacob, and if you're not in the promise, it's not going to be the same. And the one of the promise is going to be the ruler. I mean, clearly, God said that to Abraham, and He said that to Isaac. You know, you're going to rule. Your descendants are going to rule you, and or your descendants are going to rule this ground. And so I think that's what's going on here. Good question. Did I answer it? Okay. Uh, any other questions or comments? Now we're going to get kind of to what Royce was talking about. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing which his father... Oh, no, I skipped it. Where did he say it? Uh, that he was named right. Where did I say that? Where did I see that? Oh, back in verse 36. He's rightly named Jacob, heel grabber. He's tripping me up. For he has supplanted me these two times. So this is about the blessing. The first one was about the birthright, which was a property thing. <coughs> okay? So he's got me twice, says Esau. He's a cheat. And... Now he's taken my blessing after having already taken my birthright. And so Esau, I think with a great deal of correctness, is looking at, I, I, at uh, Jacob and saying, he's a scoundrel. And Jacob, as we're going to see it continue in his life, he's not, he's not hesitant to manipulate the rules of the game for his own benefit. And we'll see that with his father-in-law Laban. When we get to that point, we see it here. He, he worked with his mother in this deception. Uh, Jacob would, at this point in life for sure, would not be somebody that you would want as a friend without keeping a close eye on him. I think that would be a good way to talk about it. Uh, because he is not above doing what it takes to get the advantage. So how did this play out in the family? Well, Esau bore a grudge against Jacob. 
he was very angry and he found a way to console himself about his anger. And what did he console himself with? When? The time of mourning is not far off. I can wait. When dad dies, Jacob dies. That's essentially what he's saying, and it will be by my hand. I'm going to kill him. And so he's just waiting. He's not going to disrupt the family yet. And so this is what he's starting to live for. This is his purpose in living. I'm going to kill Jacob, and I'll feel better. And these words get back to Rebekah, don't they? And so what does Rebekah tell Jacob to do? You need to go see my brother Laban. He's far enough away. He'll be, you'll be safe over in the area of Haran. And when does she say it will be time for Jacob to come back? Yeah, she's going to send for him, and she's going to do that when? When her brother's, his brother's anger turns from him. Yeah, well, the way, she, the way that the New American Standard says, and when he forgets. Oh. Silly woman. You don't understand the rivalry between these two boys. Esau's not planning on forgetting. Now, it may subside. At some point, he may decide, I don't have to kill him, but he's not going to forget this. First of all, this is recorded for how many thousands of years, you know, several. We're looking at it today yet. But, um, and she has a justification for this there in the end in verse 45. What does she say? She's talking to Jacob. See the words? Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Who is the both? What does it mean to be bereaved? The death of a husband. And Mourning over a death. And then to lose her son from the other Yeah, the day, the day Isaac dies, I'm going to lose Jacob too if he hangs around. There wasn't any question about whether or not Esau was able to carry out his threat. I mean, how many guys do you know who after a deer goes out and gets one and comes back and eats it for lunch? He's a capable hunter. Now, the game might have been easier and so on and so on and so on in that era, in, the, in that land, but, uh, you know, few of us would plan on being able to go out and kill something for lunch today and eat it today. But he goes out and kills something and brings it back. I mean, he's very capable of yielding his weapons. And so she expects it to happen, and she realizes, I would lose them both in the same day. So I'm going to get Jacob out of here so that when Isaac dies, I'm not going to lose Jacob at the same time. So there are consequences of their deception. Jacob is hated by Esau. Isaac doesn't seem to be very happy with him either. But the blessing's been given. And so now here Jacob has become the child of the promise. And God said it very clearly in Romans 9, not because of anything they had done or anything they would do, but so that my purposes would be fulfilled. His purpose was to bless Abraham and build up the nation so that my purposes would be fulfilled 
Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. And so Jacob was chosen by God to be loved by him and to be the child of the promise. And so next time we're going to start with 46. And this is how Rebecca sets up Jacob's departure and a number of other good things and even cooperates with, cooperates with, maybe manipulates Isaac in the course of getting it done. And no, Jacob's not, not the guy I would be picking for a friend at this point. I, I, I really find it amazing that God would love a liar and a cheat. Well, you know, Rick, and I'm going I'm to say this, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Okay. And, and I don't mean it personally, but it's a good thing he does or he wouldn't love you. That's right. and, and, well, now, and, and so let me finish that comment because he wouldn't love any of us, would he? Are any of us above Jacob? No. No. And yet, typically, we don't see in the scriptures God using blessing somebody through their own deception. And that's why I think we're going to see what we do in the upcoming chapter about Jacob's encounter with God through a dream. Because Jacob kind of changes his focus a bit. He's still pretty wily when it comes to how he deals with Laban. Mm. But you could never say he was dishonest. You could just say he was shrewd. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're all Jacobs at best. On our better days, we're Jacobs. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's surprising that God blessed this deception. And is this... If they had not done this, I'm going to say something kind of foolish here, but if they had not done this, would Jacob still have got the blessing? Absolutely. God had planned for Jacob to get the blessing. So was God dependent on this? Absolutely not. But he chose to use their own deception to have his, accomplish, his purposes accomplished. Not that he blessed the deception, but he went for the outcome. Anything else? All right, let's close our order of prayer. Father, thank you for giving this story to us, Lord. If we were to write a fictional historical account to try to get your principles across and tell a story about how we got here, Lord, we would not put all the ugliness in about what it means to be human, but you did because it's the truth. And we see how mankind all have sinned and fall short of your glory. Lord, lead us away from temptation. Let your kingdom and your power and your glory stay yours. And let us constantly honor you by how we behave through your leadership and your protection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.